This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I can hardly believe it. We are almost 80 sessions in on the Raw Beauty Talks podcast, and this is the very first episode that we are going to have two guests joining me for a conversation about the same topic. They're going to be sharing their own unique individual perspectives, and we're going to be diving into everything Botox. I've got Dr. Bree Budlovsky. She is a mom, an emergency doctor, and a doctor who practices cosmetic medicine. And then we have Alexandra Cunningham, who is a mom who interviewed me in the past on her podcast, The Family Tree. She wrote me this beautiful DM on Instagram, and I was like, I have to have her participate in this conversation too. This is a really We're walking the fine line in this conversation in a lot of different ways, talking about a conversation that's taboo, that a lot of people don't want to discuss necessarily. We're all laying everything out on the table for you so that you can explore your own beliefs around this topic and hopefully come out with a little bit more clarity as to where you stand and what feels right for you. I've known her for a long time. She's an incredibly diversely talented individual. Like you have sung opera in your life. You're an incredible (laughs) artist. You're an emergency doctor, a mom of two beautiful little girls, and you also work in cosmetic medicine as well. So can you start off, Brie, Dr. Brie, I should, Dr. Budlovsky, I should say. Call me Brie. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, your interests growing up and how you ended up in medicine? First of all, thanks for having me. I'm so honored to be a part of this and everything that you're doing is so valuable and you have such a wonderful way of having open, positive conversations with people in general. So thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank you. my name is Bree Balavsky, and I am an emergency room doctor primarily in Victoria. And I also practice cosmetic medicine, so mostly injectables, things like neuromodulators or Botox and fillers, and Belkyra or uh, Lipodissolve as well is something that I offer. Fashion and, and beauty and makeup and all of that is I, um, I really enjoy it. I feel like I get to make art at work. So full disclosure... I feel a little bit nervous sharing this. The reason that Brie is even here right now is because I went in a couple weeks ago to see her to get some Botox. You did it. (laughs) I did. And I feel so much guilt around it because I feel like I'm supposed to be this individual who is like so strong in self-worth and understanding that our beauty comes from the inside. But let me tell you, like I had a moment after moving and getting James started at school and work has been insane. And I just looked in the mirror and was like, mama needs some help. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just want to do this for me. It's not going to become an all the time thing. For me, it's I get this 11 between my eyes and I get into this constant like furrowed brow state when I'm working on my computer or when I'm sleeping. I do it when I'm sleeping. So I went to Brie and she gave me a little bit of Botox and I'm not going to lie. I liked it. So, okay, we're going to break Botox down today. My first question for you is what the hell is this stuff? So I'm going to get there, but something else that I feel like I really want to talk to you about is this idea that because you care about your appearance or because you may want to change doesn't mean that you maybe don't have confidence or maybe that you're not a person of substance. And you can, you can be both, like you can be smart and accomplished and an advocate for true beauty and beauty with from within and and still care about how you look for you that's normal and that's human and for some people it might not be the right thing and for some people it is and i don't think that we should feel guilty around doing things that make us feel beautiful on the outside too if your number one focus is your appearance then that's out of balance and if the reason that you're doing it is because you, you know, are trying to fit a mold or you're not good enough, or you're trying to create value with yourself. And that's not the right reason. But if if it makes you feel good, when you look a certain way, like touching up your roots, like getting eyelash extensions, like getting a manicure, everything is a spectrum. Yes. And luckily, this is normalizing, I think, and there's less stigma associated with it. We're starting to have these conversations where you can still be a person of substance and get some Botox. And the other thing is I get Botox too. So like, I know I can't frown and it's the best. Like I, I like, you know, I'm not, I'm not scowling at work. I, you know, um, you can still express, you can still smile, you can still be vibrant and you can just look a little less angry. Anyway, I feel like we should get back to that. I'm so, I'm here. I'm so glad that you just said that because as you're talking, I'm like, I feel more confident than ever before. I spend less time thinking about my appearance than ever before. And I don't obsess. So it's not like, oh, I saw that, you know, part of my forehead that was getting more wrinkly. And then I thought about it and obsessed about it. And it became like this big conversation around my self-worth. The thing about Botox now is that it's just so easy that you can kind of see that and be like, Oh yeah, I think I could use a little help there or I'd like to soften that. And it's so easy that you can do it immediately. The area where I feel some guilt and resistance around this still, there's two factors. So one, I feel like there is already so much pressure for women not to age from like the time I was probably 24 and I would go into shoppers drug mart or Sephora or wherever. And they'd be like, yeah, like you're starting to be at that age where you can start, you know, using an anti-aging product. And it's like, I'm 24, but we receive these (laughs) messages all the time. So then there's this added layer that it's like, okay, I go and get Botox. And now people who are following me on Instagram and who are trying to feel more comfortable in their inherent quote unquote flaws are now like inadvertently because we just do it comparing to me at some level. Mm -hmm. And here I am smoothing out a part of myself instead of just embracing it. At the end of the day, I'm going to live my life and do what feels right for me, but I do want to talk about it. And then there's the other piece 
as well, which always pops into, <laughs> into mind. Say, I think it was like maybe around $300 or whatever to do the Botox. Mm-hmm. I spend that $300 on myself. And then another part of me is like, there are literally kids in the world that can't eat right now. Like, should I have just donated that to a cause or to support somebody or cancer or whatnot? And I have to remember, like, I am allowed to treat myself too. And Mm -hmm. I do give a lot in my job and we do donate as a family. And Mm -hmm. there's a fine line of helping everyone else, but also like allowing yourself some space to do Mm -hmm. things that feel nice for yourself. Yeah. These are things that I navigate as a decision. Yeah. And there are things that I that I navigate too, either as a patient receiving it or as somebody giving it. And everything in life is a spectrum. Everything has a good side and a bad side. Everything has an argument and a counter argument. And I think that you can make good arguments in either way. For sure. I'm more confident than I ever have been. I feel great but I still want to do this. And I don't feel like it's because of a lack of confidence. I feel like it's because I like it. I like (laughs) it. Just like it. In the same way that you like getting, you know, some people like getting their hair colored or some people like investing in a new pair of boots or whatever it is. So Botox. Botox is botulinum toxin, or we call it Botox for short. It's all, there's also the brand Botox, which is a neuromodulator. There are a few other brands that we inject into our face to decrease fine lines. And and it's a toxin that in nature is created by a bacteria. And what it does is we can inject it into the muscles of facial expression and it impairs neurotransmitter release at the neuromuscular junction. It means that the nerves do not tell the muscles or give the muscle the signal to contract. So it holds our muscles in a relaxed state or flaccid paralysis. So we use tiny little doses that we can inject into the muscles. They just act locally. There's no systemic absorption. And by doing that, um, the overlying skin doesn't fold and crease with that muscle movement the same way, gradually reducing sort of the depth and appearance of lines and wrinkles. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the whole like injecting toxins into the body? When we talk a lot about like... <laughs> removing toxins from the body. I mean, this whole toxin thing is is a big marketing thing for me. Like that ship sailed so long ago for me practicing medicine. Like every intervention that I do in emergency medicine is unnatural. And yet it can be good. It can be life-saving. It can be safe. Yes, it's a toxin. In fact, Botox is like the most lethal toxin that we you know the known to man (laughs) what um yeah but we use such tiny doses that it it just acts locally like there's no evidence that there's any effect on it anywhere other than where in the doses that we use for cosmetic purposes that there's any effect on it elsewhere it's not detectable in your bloodstream it's not detectable in breast milk it acts where it acts and I feel fine about it the same way that I feel fine putting on makeup the same way that I would say yes to antibiotics if I needed them, though that's a little more of a need than a, right, than right. Right. <laughs> so it depends how, yeah. you know, how things are, how things are going with your kids. But like, I feel so fine about it because it's controlled and I know what it is and I know how it works and I know where it acts and it's very right. safe. And all the research, I mean, it feels like people have been talking about it for maybe the last 10 years, but the reality is it's been in use in medicine for longer than that. 
correct? It has. Yeah. So it's um, about 30 years or so for cosmetic. And people use Botox for body odor, like under their armpits, for clenching your jaw. I mean, there's tons of different ways that it's being used. Yeah. For migraines, for sweating under the arms. Actually, some people will treat their palms and soles as well for clenching. You can use it for excess salivation and syndromes like Parkinson's disease. You can use it for migraines. And then you can also use it in a different way for muscle spasticity. And then what are the risks involved? I feel like with any of this kind of thing, there's always some sort of risk as well. For sure. So there, anybody who tells you that there's no risk with it, it's not giving you the full information. There's risks with anything that we do. The risks are really very low. It's a very safe treatment. And the main risks or side effects are really associated with the act of injecting something through the skin. So a bruise, a little bit of swelling. Some people get a little bit of numbness or itchiness. A skin site infection is sort of theoretically there, though we're using sterile technique and and cleaning the skin. So that would be very unusual. Some people get some headaches, particularly in the first couple of days afterwards as the muscles are, are changing and relaxing. The big ones that we warn people about are really quite rare. So a bit of asymmetry can certainly happen and is usually correctable. Things like a big eyelid droop or double vision, that would be more of a problem with placement or dose right. if you're giving too much or you're putting it in the wrong spot. And then, the, I mean, like if you read the pamphlet on any medication, they can, it can get really scary. It talks about difficulty swallowing and drooling and stuff. That would only be if somebody was giving you such inappropriate doses in the wrong spot that it, it would be dangerous. I really feel like, and maybe it's getting a touch better, but especially in media, women as they age just disappear. They just like fall off the face of the earth. The roles in movies become fewer and more far in between. They're not shown in the advertising campaigns. And even though we may know women who are beautiful and stunning and inspiring and wise as they age in our lives, we're not necessarily seeing that. How do you think we navigate this piece of allowing ourselves space to take care of ourselves in a way that feels good to us as individuals, like whether that's getting the Botox or for some women, it's like doing their boobs or getting lip injections or whatever it is to do that while also allowing space for us to age. At what age do we just allow the wrinkles to start coming versus fighting at all? Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. First of all, I think that you can age gracefully and still intervene if that's what you choose. I mean, I agree. There's a huge focus in media on anti-aging and a lot of things are advertised as anti-aging. And and, and I'm with you. The way that I practice is I try to swing it away from anti-aging and more towards positive aging. So many women come to me not wanting to look like they're 19. They just say that they want to look more like themselves. They say, oh, people think that I look angry all the time. Like I have RBF, I, you know, (laughs) resting bitch face. Yeah. Or like, (laughs) I always get asked why I'm so tired or I feel like I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself anymore. And so having sort of an approach that focuses on a natural outcome where you look glowy and rested and rejuvenated without looking done is the way that I practice. Just because you're doing these things doesn't mean that you are anti-aging, but you can have a desire to 
change your appearance or brighten your complexion and to still look your age. All of this is on a spectrum, right? Like it's the same as covering up your grays or whitening your teeth or dressing in a certain way. Like, you know, some of it might feel okay to you and some of it might not. And if you want your hair to go gray, then that's wonderful. And if you don't, then it doesn't mean that you are against aging. It can just mean that you want to present yourself in a certain way, or maybe it makes you feel good. I'm curious, you have two little girls. How do you navigate that conversation with daughters? These conversations will obviously develop and evolve and will be age appropriate for them. And just as I've said that I I feel like you can be confident and feel beautiful and feel empowered and still do some of these things. I, that's what I hope for, for them as they get older and are teenagers, I know it'll come up and I'll have to address it head on. And I hope that as they are young, like right now I am trying to teach them their value in the world is not their appearance. Yeah. Their value is who they are is their inquisitiveness and their their kindness and their willingness to learn. And I mean, Rose is one. So right now she's just like <laughs> learning not Feed to me. throw shit. <laughs> but, you know, but, Pop, but Poppy's five and, and these influences will come in. And, you know, as they grow, then there will be conversations in general about fashion and beauty and appearance and how they look compared to their friends. My plan is to navigate that by trying to instill a sense of confidence in their individuality and then eventually yeah we'll talk about it um a little bit and i mean again as i said the way that i practice is not but is not doing any crazy augmentations like you can't bring in a photo and say i want these lips like you know that's not what i do i'll like i'll polish the diamond kind of thing but i won't give you a sapphire <laughs> yeah it's also not everything that i am never mind that i practice and emerge too but just because i this is part of my job it doesn't mean that this is the only thing that matters to me either like i still am out mucking in the garden and going on bike rides with them and they see me cry and be scared and they can see that I'm like a whole and complete person and that this is just part of me. It honestly sounds like you're doing such an incredible job and I oh had God, who knows, Erin? None of us know. That's the thing that I learned when I became a mom is that everybody's just winging it. You know, it requires a lot for you to come out and talk about this when it is sometimes more controversial. I know it didn't feel completely easy for me to open up and talk about it either but mm-hmm. I'm just what I've always wanted raw beauty to be about is a conversation an open For sure. conversation about I mean, as women we are often taught to take ourselves less seriously or we are devalued if we show emotion or have classically sort of female interests or we're taught to kind of sacrifice our femininity if we want to be taken seriously don't apologize for that. You are a whole person. Even if you really like super floofy things, you can still be smart and driven. If you still a whole person, if you sometimes care about how you look, or, you know, if sometimes you feel confidence by getting dressed up, and sometimes you are most confident when you have no makeup on, like you can be a whole person and be complex and don't apologize for these things that were taught as women make us weaker or are taken less seriously. 
Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code rawbeautytalks at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code rawbeautytalks. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Beautifully said. All right, we're going to push pause on this conversation and I want to invite our second guest to join in. Alexandra Cunningham is a mom and the host of the This Family Tree podcast. I was lucky enough to connect with her and her husband, Shane. They're both awesome. Their podcast is incredible. You've got to go listen to it. And she slid into my DMs and wrote me this beautiful message last week, right before we were about to release the episode with Brie. I pushed pause on releasing the whole episode because I wanted to include her voice in this conversation, her perspective and her thoughts. I thought they were brilliant and an important piece to the conversation. So without further ado, Alex. All right. I was flipping through my DMs and this incredible human being, Alex, who is from the Instagram handle at this family tree. You have to go follow her. I was on her and her husband's podcast and we had so much fun chatting. She slid into my DMs and just in the most eloquent way, brought to life so many of the thoughts that I was having about Botox. So I'm going to read you part of her message to me. And then Alex is going to join us for this conversation and we'll dive a little bit deeper. So she says, I look at my face in the mirror and my eyes are immediately drawn to the wrinkles at the top of my forehead. They're getting so deep. I see fewer and fewer women my age with forehead wrinkles or foreheads that move. I don't love the wrinkles and I don't want them. 
but what's making me feel like I need to eliminate them completely? The fact that it can be done and it's very much the norm. I want injections to make them go away, but then I also wonder why I want to eliminate aging, a completely natural part of life. Do we really need to look young forever to look and feel good? I feel like this is that final statement at the end of a Sex in the City episode. Like this poignant question. <laughs> it's a really incredible question and one that I have too. Erin, I was nervous to send that. I, I brought it up with my close girlfriends and I was even nervous to bring it up with them because it's like it's a touchy subject and, and I didn't want to step on any toes or, you know, make broad strokes. It is a touchy subject because I feel that there's so much guilt and shame surrounding it. And part of why I want to have this conversation is so that that's not there anymore. I would love to be so happy with all of the new curves I have. I've just given birth to my second kid. All of the new softness I have, all of the the cellulite I have. I mean, you've challenged me in the past to wear shorts because I was nervous about wearing shorts because Mm -hmm. of all the cellulite I have. And now it's, you know, an aging thing. And like, I'm 31. I am immaculate in my skincare routine. Like I love skincare. I love taking care of my face. It's part of my self-care every day. But then I'm like, oh, damn it. Like I should just fucking go for it. I should just get Botox. I am a person on social media. I have a podcast. I talk to celebs. It's an ugly fact that people almost give more credence to people when they look good. You know, I want to feel good about myself, just like I'm trying to love my body and stay away from diet culture in the sense that, you know, I know it has these crazy ideals. The cosmetic and the beauty industry, they have the same ideals, the same unattainable without help ideals. And it's like, I want this perfect face. I want to maintain my youth. I don't want to have visible signs of aging, which is so ridiculous, so ridiculous. And I just feel that the body industry and the weight loss industry and the diet industry is so vilified in that sense. Whereas the cosmetic procedure industry and the beauty industry, if I was to say I was going to go get a procedure, everybody would be like, yeah, girl, you do you. And if I was, if I was to talk about intermittent fasting or wanting to lose some of the weight that I put on during childbirth, people would be defensive. I'd have to put up trigger warnings and they'd say, oh, don't give into that misogynistic perspective of how a woman should look and needing to get small again. But then I think, why do I want to eliminate aging? Is that not from a misogynistic view of beauty as well? Like if it was up to me, help. Like I think to make it easier and cheaper on ourselves, we would love our wrinkles. We'd let some body hair grow. I wouldn't be going to get my pubes waxed every (laughs) couple months. And I struggle with trying to find out the difference between the industries and why one is vilified and one is seen as an empowering source. I really think that there, we've seen such a shift in the conversation around body image sizes, the diet industry over the last 10 years. And I think there is a lot of room for growth in the area of beauty and the cosmetic industry. I mean, we spend hundreds of dollars on creams and products and waxing and shaping and lifting and injections and all of these things in order to remain looking younger. How is that any different than contorting our body to fit into a size that it it isn't meant to fit in. I don't. Okay. So I actually, I looked up numbers 
that these industries make in profit, right? Because everybody talks about the diet industry. It's like, oh, they just want your money ultimately. So, you know, you're working to get this unachievable body that you'll never achieve through diet, through exercise, well, you know, programs. That industry in 2018, that was the newest data I could get, but they were making over $70 billion in the weight loss industry. Then I looked up the cosmetics industry. In 2019, they made $93.5 billion. And cosmetic surgery industry, which is like kind of newly a norm, made 44, it's projected to make 44 billion in 2025. Such a show how accessible it's becoming just how it is the norm. I was so curious to ask you as somebody who runs raw beauty, right? Mm -hmm. And who talks about raw beauty and talks about self-confidence and self-love and spends a lot of time talking about diet and, you know, nourishing our bodies properly and don't be obsessed with weight loss. And now you getting Botox, what are your feelings with that? Do you find like a, a strange dichotomy there or? Oh my God, it's very conflicted. You know, we all in life, we are triggered by various mm-hmm. different things and those triggers lead to actions and the actions that we take are always guiding us towards some sort of reward. The, the weird thing is that I don't spend a lot of time on that. Like I don't obsess mm-hmm. about my forehead the way that I used to obsess about my body by any means. It's more, I think that it's so accessible so that you, you're like, Oh, I'm looking so tired or like those lines are getting deeper. And now as we hear so often in, especially around Botox, it's like, do it now to prevent it later. It's preventative, like get it before the wrinkles form. Right. So it's younger and younger and younger that that pressure starts to come up. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy and accessible as we talked about at the very beginning to get that reward of feeling a little bit better when you look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. When I think about how I want to show up in this world and how I want to move the needle for women, I would prefer not to get it because I would love to see us in a place where we do truly celebrate aging where that starts. And the reason why is because I want it to be more comfortable for me because I'm uncomfortable in it. And I know that by seeing other women who I look to and feel are beautiful and I see them confidently aging just as they are without all the things that that gives me confidence to do the same. It is hard because, you know, it is such an easy and quick and immediate, very immediate fix. I look up to a lot of women, a lot of uh, influencers that I find so inspirational and so at peace with things. And I look at them to help me be at peace with my changing and aging body. and then. I think, oh, hold on. Like she, her head, forehead is totally flat too, or her lips are looking bigger. And you know what? She's looking real good. And then I think, (laughs) why am I thinking these things? And is this hypocritical to, again, vilify one industry and support another and turn it into something that's empowering? I don't know. I want to fight against that by not ever getting Botox. Yes. But then at the same time, I want to look hot, Erin. And I like sometimes you just want to push the easy button and not have to not have to do all this fighting. So when I see people that are just like, hey, like I want to look good, and that's gonna be through, you know, I want to look good. And again, what's looking good? That's a very subjective. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But if that is, you know, losing weight or getting more toned or getting injections, I don't give a shit. Go for it because you know, I'm gonna be doing something like that too. 
to do what, what I think makes me look good. Yeah. But then again, I, I am conflicted a little bit when I see people who do, I guess, make a living off of loving themselves, yeah. embrace that industry. And yeah. that's kind of the question I was going to ask you, like when you see other people doing that and there's incredibly famous influencers who do that, you know, how, how do you feel? about that kind of thing, about the, again, the vilification of one industry and the embracing of another. I haven't really thought about the two different industries and the messages that they give us as women and how one has been vilified and, or, but it's interesting because it's been vilified within one group of individuals. There's still like a large portion of that wellness diet industry that is alive and thriving and where people are celebrating it. So when I reflect on myself as being somebody who is on this journey of self-love, so much of my initial struggle in my twenties was surrounding my body. And it wasn't about my face or aging. It was Mm -hmm. about my body being too big, being too wrinkly, being too cellulite whatever it was, not fitting that, that ideal that we have. And so when I started raw, the initial foundation of raw was built on the interview series where we photographed women, no makeup, no Photoshop, no filters. And I wanted to create a space where I saw diversity in the world that would allow me to feel more comfortable and confident in my own body. And it helped that journey really helped. And over time we we're now seeing this on a large scale from corporations down to individual bloggers. We haven't seen that shift in regards to aging. And I feel inspired by this conversation to start searching for and finding incredible, inspiring, beautiful images of women with wrinkles, with age spots. And I think in sharing that, hopefully we all become a little bit more comfortable, but that's sort of my take on it is that I'm on this journey as well. And I understand what women are going through and I know how hard it is. I understand how pervasive these messages are because I'm impacted by them too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's conversations like this, where we really start to dig deep and question things and ask why and ask why and ask why and get deeper and deeper and deeper that change starts. Speaking with you better now is the first time that I'm really working through these thoughts myself. And you know, like I am just so conflicted. I'm just, I'm so conflicted with everything. And I think where I'm leaning to is, you know, if we are going to be accepting and feel that it's empowering for a woman to make the decision to get Botox, to get lip filler, to get her under eyes done, which, oh my God, like I want so bad. (laughs) I can't keep me awake too much. But, you know, if that's empowering, then can it not be empowering for somebody to say, you know what? I want to get toned. I want to be in the best physical shape of my life. I want to, you know, healthfully go down a size, but that's not as empowering. But I think that it should be. I think you're exactly right. And I think we have to question, you know, if we've gone so far in the other direction that again, female empowerment is being able to do what feels right for you and your body. And I think what happens with all of this stuff is that there's such a fine line and a slippery slope of feeling empowered versus feeling like your power has been taken away from you. You know, you start the diet and you start working towards that those flat abs or that smaller size. And what happens often is that we end up in this cycle that doesn't feel good anymore. How do we walk this fine line of giving ourselves space and permission 
to self-express and to show up in this world in a way that feels good for us as individuals without mm -hmm. being controlled by the diet industry and the cosmetics industry and it becoming something that no longer feels good and no longer feels aligned. And I think if we can explore that line a little bit more, which requires a lot of self-reflection and awareness and consciousness, then we're moving forward. After a lot of listening, some sharing, and taking some time to reflect on both conversations, I can't help but feel that both women are essentially on the exact same page with only a couple degrees of separation in their perspectives. Dr. Brie Budlovsky's practice allows her to connect with the artist within, indulging her love for fashion, beauty, and design, while allowing her to form relationships with women. She wants women, including her two young daughters, to feel empowered in their choices, their femininity, and aims to help them express themselves and feel confident in their own skin. I fully believe that, but I also have to note that at the end of the day, there is still a paycheck supported by these views. Alex also wants to feel empowered and in choice, but can't help but feel conflicted by individuals who are profiting from the sale of self-love and celebrated for body acceptance, yet still struggle to accept part of themselves. She paints a picture of two industries, both profiting off a woman's appearance, but being held to different standards. Hearing her speak made me realize how much our perspectives are shaped by the people and voices we are surrounded with. I see some circles vilifying diet culture, but for the most part, I think a lot of people are still very comfortably steeped in it. I hear a lot of voices condemning plastic surgery, on the other hand, and cosmetic procedures, and yet Alex's community and the individuals she's listening to and following are viewing this as an empowering thing. I'm curious to know what your beliefs are about these two industries and how those beliefs were formed. Where did they come from? My thoughts? Well, <laughs> it's still a little bit complicated. I think life is short and women should absolutely be in choice about what they do or do not do to their body and face. Work out if you want to work out, color your hair, drink your collagen water, get a little Botox. Who cares? It all falls on a spectrum and who is to decide what is right or wrong for anyone other than yourself? That being said, how far do we allow the spectrum to push us away from who we naturally are? At what point is too much too much? When does it start to become harmful? I know for my mom's generation, getting Botox and lip injections wasn't the norm. So by the time my daughter's my age, what will the new norm be? As a mom, I'm more conscious than ever about how my decisions impact the next generation. I know my daughter and son and their friends will be watching and absorbing and replicating many of the things I do. As Naomi Wolf says, Dieting is the most potent political sedative in women's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. I can't help but wonder if the time and money and energy around anti-aging is also sedating us. In fact, I know it is, keeping us away from things that bring true fulfillment. Now, in regards to the whole conversation about self-love advocacy, I can't speak for all self-love body positivity advocates out there, but I can speak for myself. I've never been more confident or content in who I am right now, and I still have insecurities. The space those insecurities take up on the pie of my life is tiny compared to where it used to be, where it was very all-consuming. 
When I speak about self-love on Raw Beauty Talks, a huge part of that is having compassion for oneself and really standing in who you are as an individual. Raw Beauty was never intended to be a no-makeup, all-natural advocacy group. That's not me. I like fashion and design, and I really love the way getting a facial makes me feel, if I'm being honest. To me, raw beauty is the feeling I have right now in this moment having this conversation, standing in my truth, expressing the way that I feel, and remaining open. Raw beauty is so much deeper than the way you or I look. I would love to hear your thoughts, your opinion, your questions. If you have a moment, take a screenshot of this episode, tag at Dr. Bree, and that's Dr. Bree Budlovsky at This Family Tree, that's Alexandra Cunningham, and of course, tag at Raw Beauty Talks. I really encourage you to have this conversation with yourself, with your friends, with your partner, with your parents. I think that it goes and extends far beyond Botox. All right. I will see you next week. I hope everyone has an amazing few days until then. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.